Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. Jesus said, uh, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, uh, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. When he went on his, then he went on his journey. Uh, the man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Uh, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole, and put it in the ground. He hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold, so you have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, so I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned... I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside, into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One day, all of us, I'm going to find ourselves standing before King Jesus. And in that moment, it's amazing how the only thing that will matter is how you lived your life, how you loved your world, how you served the purposes of God, how you hear, well done. One day, all of us will find ourselves face to face with the king of this universe. And the only thing will matter is how did you live your life? How did you love your world? How did you serve the purposes of God? And will you hear the words, well done? In that moment, the car you drove here on earth won't matter. In that moment, your 55 square house with a beautiful manicured backyard and an eternity pool, that won't matter. In that moment, 
the degrees on your wall or the accolades you received, the Mercedes-Benz that you drove, the, the stocks that you hold, all of those things will fade away into the background in the midst of eternity and only one thing will count. How did you live your life? How did you love your world? How did you serve the purposes of the, of the king of this universe? And will you hear those words, well done? How many Instagram followers you had? How big you were in social media world? How many likes you received? All of those things will matter not. Only one thing will count. How did you live your life? Did you love your world? How did you serve the purposes of your Creator? And will you hear those words, well done? In the light of that reality, I've heard it said, therefore, only two days really matter. Today and that day. The way you live today in the light of that day, only two days matter. And what I want to do in my last few minutes with you for a while, it's not like I'm kind of, you know, I'm not going on the, the final flight, you know, I'm like... I'm like, you know, a 14-hour flight away and, you know, I do come back every now and then. We will be crossing paths, this little blue rock that God made, you know. We will see each other again. But in my last few minutes with you for a while, I want to talk about living out every today in the light of that day when we stand face to face with King Jesus. I feel it is incumbent upon me, it is my responsibility tonight for but a few sacred minutes to unpack how Jesus wants us to live today in the light of that day when we see Him face to face. Because that's what He's talking about here in the book of Matthew chapter 25. You see, in Matthew 25, Jesus is coming in for a landing on His earthly ministry. Literally, he was told to stow his tray table away, to pull up the window shades, to bring his seat back to upright position. They were just about to come to a beautiful crescendo where he would go to the cross, he would carry our sin, he would carry our shame, he would punch the devil in the mouth, snatch back the keys of life and death, and open up a door for all of humanity to walk back into a relationship with the God of this universe who loves, who loves, who loves. But Jesus here, you can even sense an urgency in his voice as he had a few sacred moments left with his friends here on earth. And what he was doing here in this text was he was trying to prepare them like he's trying to prepare us to live every two day in the light of that day. When all the things that we think are going to really count in life really won't count at all. But the thing that will echo in eternity will be asked, how did you live your life? How did you love the world? How did you serve the purposes of your Creator? And will you hear those words? Well done. Jesus speaks to how we live today in the light of that day. And his observations are pretty simple. He tells the story of a couple of servants who come towards a master and the master is saying, you know what, I'm going away for a while, but don't worry, I'll be back. And in the meantime, I'm going to entrust you all 
with a portion, a share of my estate, some money, some talent, if you will, and I want you to go away and put it to work. I want you to live life. I want you to serve me. I want you to go in with the mentality that I'm returning and we're going to settle accounts. And, and so the master goes off and the first servant with, with five talents, five bags of gold, goes off and puts it to work. He hustles, he grinds, he, he, he works his fingers to the bone because he loves his master and he's grateful for the opportunity. And he makes five more. The second servant has two bags and he runs off full of joy, full of glee, full of expectation. And he starts working those two bags. And eventually he sees a return of 100% because he has another two bags. Jesus continues, he says, there is another kind of servant who takes what he is given and plays it cautious. He's scared that because he doesn't have much, he'll lose what he has. So he digs a hole and he hides the money in the ground. And then they all wait for the master to return. And sure enough, the master is good to his word. In time, he comes back to the estate and he settles accounts. The first servant comes forward and says, yo, you gave me five. But I, and I ran off and I worked that five. I hustled that five. I didn't rest on my laurels. I didn't kind of just walk around bragging because I had more than everyone else. No, I worked that and now I have five more. See, ten bags of gold. The master looks at him and says, you know what life is about. You understand what I was asking. Come and share with me in eternal happiness. The second servant comes up and says, you know what? Hey, master, I know that you didn't give me as much as the first guy, but that, that didn't get me down. No, I, I kind of went off and I worked for the same spirit of endeavor with the same mindset of hustle. And guess what? He got 100% return. I got 100% return too. Here's another two bags, four altogether. Shazam. The master says, you worked it out. You understood life. Come and share in your master's happiness. The third guy comes forward and says, yo, I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit afraid. Pensive. Walking on eggshells around this concept of potentially losing it all. So I did nothing at all. I dug a hole in the ground and I buried it. So, so, so I don't have a return like the other guys, but you know what? I didn't lose it, so here's what you gave me in the exact same condition that you gave it to me in. The master says, you didn't hear me. You, you haven't worked it out. At the very least, you should have given this money to the bankers. At least you would have come back with a little bit of return. But you did nothing with what I put into your hands. And because you obviously don't understand what this household, this kingdom is about, you may as well leave. And let's take this one that you did nothing with and let's give it to the guys who did something with what they were given. I could imagine the original audience being dumbfounded, speechless, mind-blown in this amazing teaching that Jesus was unpackaging. As he begged them and implored them through the lessons in this story to live today in the light of that day.
And what I want to do in my few minutes left with you is unpackage this story. And I'm going to dare you. Mm, I'm going to double dog dare you. To leave this place and to live each day. Drawing from the lessons that Jesus taught here in Matthew 25. Preparing yourselves for that day. The first thing that Jesus was trying to let us know was, I want your life. If you're going to be that person who stands before the creator of this universe, and you're going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, the first thing he's letting us know, you need to live your life with amazing focus. You've got to live your life with focus. You've got to run your race. I love what happens here in this story. I love how it's really, really obvious that the master, for some reason, didn't give all of the servants the same amount. The first was given five, the second was given two, the third was given one. And the first two servants who exemplified the qualities that Jesus wants our life to be exemplified by were marked by incredible focus because it's very clear and evident that the guy with five just runs off and does something with the five. The guy with the two ran off and did something with the two. I love what is not present in this story. I love how the guy with the five didn't walk around with a big head. He didn't rest in the fact that, you know what, I've been given more than everybody else and, you know, I'm good, baby. Like, I got, I got 250% more, like, more than anybody else in this kind of, in this little collective. You know, I'm obviously the, the master's favorite. And, and no, no, he didn't walk off feeling like he had nothing to do because he, was, he had more than everyone else. No, he walked off and he focused in on what was put in his hand. Come on, and he started putting it to work. I love how there was no pride and there was no arrogance. Listen to me. If God has blessed you, if God has enriched you, don't rest in that. Take everything He has blessed you with. Take everything He has enriched you with and turn that into more for His glory by His grace. I love what's not in this story. There's no spirit of comparison in the guy with the two. I could imagine being a servant, being entrusted with two and kind of going, yo, yo, master. Don't you love me? How come he got five, only got two? Can, can you check your bag again? Maybe you kind of forgot to kind of hand more. No? Oh, okay. No, that wasn't in this story. No, the guy with the two wasn't encumbered by a spirit of comparison. The guy with the two didn't get down on the guy with more. The guy with the two didn't start whinging to the guy with the one. Oh, we should get together and basically cut. He's obviously the master's favorite. No, the guy with the two ran off. He ran in his lane and he saw two more return. Nothing will rob you of your potential in Christ like a spirit of comparison that has you weighing up what you bring to the kingdom relative to the people around you. Break that off your life and understand that the master has personally entrusted to each and every single one of you something that has come from heaven for His good, for His glory. Run your race. I remember when I was younger, and still to this day, I'm a, I'm a terrible runner. You know, that's that, I don't know, God just, uh, I don't know, it was whether He kind of forgot to give me longer legs or kind of, or, or, or it was like something I just never developed, but I was never a great runner. I remember years ago being put into a cross-country run. And, and, and just being like, kind of, oh, I know I'm going to come last. And, and I didn't want to run it. And I still remember my, 
Year 7 PE teacher pulled me aside and says, hey, Dan, this is a cross-country race, but it's not a race against anyone else. I'd just be really happy to see you finish it. If you can finish it, you know what you've won. This is not a race against anybody else. This is just a race against yourself and whether or not you can finish this race that's marked out for you. And you've got to understand that the race that Christ has called you to isn't against anybody else. It's not against the person to your left. It's not against the person to your right. It's not against that gifted worship leader on the stage. It's not against that preacher that basically is yelling at you. It's not, a, it's not against that person who can preach and prophesy and pray all at the same time. No, the only person this race is against is yourself. Because he's the one who marked out a race, come on, for you. And if you would run that race with focus, you take proactive steps towards being that person who stands before the king on that day. And you hear the words, well done. Allow your life to be marked by focus. Don't look to the left and don't look to the right. Look at what God has put in your hands and recognize from where that gift and that opportunity has come from. And then hustle with everything that you got. Let your life be marked by focus. Let your life be marked by faith. I love how Jesus makes it really clear that I am looking for someone who is going to run this race and live their life and love their world and serve God's purposes with faith. I love how the guy with the five went out and saw a 100% return. You don't have to have an MBA to understand that to see a 100% return, hey, you're going to have to put something on the line. There's no kind of, you know, conservative creeping forward. If you're going to see a 100% return, you're going to roll the dice a little bit. You're going to risk a little bit to see a 100% return. I love how the guy with two did, had so far less to lose, but he said, you know what? Hey, homie is doing it. I'm going in too, and I'm going to risk. I'm stepping out in faith, and I'm going to see what I can do with what God has put into my hands. And both of these guys would receive this reward from the king. Hey, you know what? Well done. You worked it out. You live life the way you're meant to live it. You love the world that you're meant to, the way you're meant to love it. Come and share in your master's happiness. Compare that, juxtapose that too. The one servant who lived cautiously. The one servant who lived conservatively. The one servant who lived fearfully. He took his one and he hid it in the ground. And the master would eventually let him know, you know what, you missed the entire point. I didn't put something into your hand just to hide it away. I gave you what I gave you for the express purpose to see a return. I want everyone to catch this. Jesus wants us to live a life marked by faith and by risk. That's the reason my family and I are going to America. Over the last couple of months, as we've been going through the process of packing up and preparing to move, and, and as I've been having like countless conversations with, with people all over the world about what I'm going to do and, and what do I expect and, and kind of how the doors opened up, I've wanted to tell them, you know, at the end of the day, I really don't know what lies around the corner. I don't know basically what God's going to do in our lives and through our lives. I don't know what kind of doors are going to open to us or not open to us. I don't know. I just know that I want to live a life as I'm basically turning, because I turned 40 last year. I'm going through my like a semi-midlife crisis right now. I know I look great. It's just the Asian genes. But basically, I just know 
that for my life and for my family, I want, come on, our lives to always be marked by not the path of least resistance. I don't want it to be something that like, kind of logically adds up. I want my life, come on, to always be marked by fearlessness and faith. I always want to be the one who says, you know what, right now I'm like kind of eking forward conservatively, but I refuse to live my entire life eking forward conservatively. No, I want to go all in and I want to see what happens when I put my life on the line. And I dare you, I double dog dare you, in your journey right now, would you ask this question, how are you living genuinely, truly by faith? When's the last time your skin tingled? When's the last time your breath was taken away? When's the last time you grabbed your partner and looked them in the eye and said, what have we done? When's the last time? Because I've got a gut feeling that our lives were meant to be marked by many more of those conversations than many of our lives are marked by. Jesus says, you know what? These servants who grabbed what they were given and ran with everything that they had. These servants who took what they were given and put it all on the line, fearless and unafraid. They're the kinds of people who hear the words, well done. The life that hears the word, well done. The lives that are marked by focus, run your race. Recognize what God has put in your hand. And put it to work. The life that hears the word well done is the life that is marked by faith, by fearlessness, by risk. And the life that hears the word well done is the life that is marked by fruitfulness in every season. It's fruitfulness in every season. I love how here the master goes, well done, good and faithful servant. Hey, you were faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. I love how they were told that they were good and faithful servants in response to the fact that they showed up with some fruit from the master's investment. See, sometimes in church we misunderstand what the word faithful means. Sometimes we think the word faithful means showing up every single week, and that's a part of being faithful. Sometimes we think faithful means that, hey, you know what? I sat in that same seat. For decades, and I was there kind of, you know, just through every single season and through every single change. Hey, I was there. I showed up and I basically occupied that little, that little square meterage right there in that church. Hey, I was a faithful attender of church. And, and that's partly what it means to be faithful. But you've got to understand that Jesus goes further and says, you know what? Being faithful at the end of the day is also about being fruitful. Jesus didn't go, what he, didn't go through what he went through. Jesus didn't come and die, overcome sin and death and rise again just so we could go through the holy motions and sit around and wait for him to come riding in on a white horse. No, Jesus literally went through hell to release resurrection power so that our lives could be fruitful. And he's going, yo, I want to see focus in your life. Run your race. I want to see faith in your life. Roll the dice. I want to see fruit in your life because I didn't go through hell to allow you just to go through life fruitless. No, I went through hell so that you can live a life 
that will be marked by personal fruit, life transformation, and fruit that comes from shining light and showing love and bringing life into a dead and dark world. Where's the fruit? Don't become a professional explainer of why nothing is happening. A lot of Christians become that. Hey, how you doing, brother? How's the journey? No, what, what's God doing in your life and through your life? You know what? You know, it's like kind of, yeah, like, you know, back in the day I had my time and I was serving God and doing some great things, but, you know, I kind of got busy and got business stuff and the kids are growing up and you know what? He's asking for fruit. He's not looking for jam. Jam is preserved fruit. Jam is like kind of fruit from back in the day. Back when you had more time, back when you had more margin, back when you had kind of more hair. No, back, no, no, back in the day. He's not looking for jam. Come on, he's looking for fruit. Sometimes we give like kind of agricultural excuses about, about why something is going to happen down the track. You know, right now, you know, kind of we had a bit of a, 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 a wet summer and a bit of a, a dry winter and kind of, you know, things really haven't come together. Sometimes... When the master is asking for fruit, we give him agricultural reasons of why nothing is happening right now. But I promise you, something's going to happen down the track. He's not looking for excuses. Come on, he's looking for fruit. In every single season, personal and public fruit. Jesus looks at these servants and the ones who hear well done are the ones who refused to dish up jam when fruit was asked refused to give agricultural reasons of why the harvest has not come they showed the master the fruit they produced and in return they heard the words well done I said this morning that there are very few churches in Australia that I really wanted to spend my last Sunday night with before you know, we jet off. And I'm so glad that, that I got to, to speak to one of those churches. And this whole weekend, I've had this incredible sense that as great as things are now, this church hasn't seen anything yet. As amazing as the music is right now, you haven't even scratched the surface of the enemy terrifying ministry you guys were destined to be. I'm talking demons in suburbs next to you are going to be telling demons in the suburbs next saying, hey, you know what, whatever we do, let's just be keeping like seven or eight suburbs away from that little group there in Puraka because when they start going in on a Sunday night, I'm telling you now, it ain't fun for all of us. You know what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, now, as great as it is, you haven't seen anything yet. As amazing as this youth ministry is, 
And as blessed as it has been throughout the years and as favored as it is right now, I'm telling you right now, you haven't seen anything yet. This is a youth ministry that's going to break every single rule about what a youth ministry should be. This is a youth ministry that's going to see young people raised up, not only as disciples, but disciplers and disciple makers. And there'll be a generation of young men and young women who are going to not be encumbered by any sense of limitation, but they're going to be buoyed by this simple reality. If God can do it, I'm going to be about it and the miracles will unfold. But I want to let you know, as great as this youth ministry is right now, you haven't seen anything yet. My goodness, I have had my mind blown all weekend hanging out with Pastor Tony and Kath asking questions. It looks like I've been texting the whole time he's been talking, but I haven't. I've been like kind of taking copious notes because I intend to preach everything that you have taught me, but I will give you zero credit. (laughs) Your grace, you're anointed. You're getting better every single year. The way you work together and how two actually become better than one. You are as clear as an example as I've ever seen of that biblical prophetic promise of two people working together and like protecting each other and lifting each other up and having each other's back. I, I, the, the two of you guys, I told you last night, are mind-blowingly good, but it feels like the two of you guys haven't even started warming up yet. That your greatest years lie ahead of you. And I beg you and I implore you, Victory Church, if you want to be the kind of community that literally makes history and changes the world for God's glory and its good, would you live your life Would you love your world? Would you serve his purposes in such a way as to hear that word that day? Well done. Would you allow your life to not be distracted and to not be thrown off course, to not have your affections, your attentions dragged here and dragged there. But would you look at what God has put into your hands to be used, come on, for His glory? Would you run your race? Would you do it with extraordinary faith, with true heart, and steel guts, would you put it all on the line, fearing not the fallout? Would you be brave? And would you make sure that in every season and in every stage, you beat your chest? And you beg heaven, help me produce fruit. Because those are the kinds of people who on that day hear the words, well done.
one day we all stand before Jesus. And on that day, only one thing will matter. Did you live your life? Did you love the world? Did you serve your Creator's purposes in such a manner as to render these words? Well done. I dare you to do so, Victory Church, today. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 